Hello, and welcome to episode five of season two of Relay SA, a connected conversation about student affairs in Canada. Each person I interview suggests a few names of folks that I should interview next, passing the baton along from interview to interview, creating the Student Affairs Relay. This episode's interview began as a joke over Twitter, and I couldn't be more happy that it turned into the start of a brand new relay and this podcast's first ever couples interview. In this episode, I sat down with Seneca College's Mark Solomon and Amy Gockel, who works at LaSalle School of Engineering at York University. We met in a small meeting room in the Parliament Street branch of the Toronto Library System. This is a kind of two-for-one episode, and I hope you like it. I don't do it, what are you doing? Who will you talk to today? It's Relay, yes, eh? Oh yeah, thanks for <laughs> crinkling candy wrapper. Oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> Why don't we just start um, by introducing yourself. Who wants to go first? You can go first. I'm Amy Gockel. I'm the Assistant Dean Student in the School of Engineering at York University. And how do you pronounce the School of Engineering at York University? Lassonde. I always do like a dramatic Lassonde, like I make it somewhat more yeah. European. But, but isn't, it, isn't it Assistant to the Dean? No, there's no to the in my title. So assistant dean. Just assistant dean. Great. Yeah. Mm, You're not in the office. To the. No to the. And what is in your portfolio <laughs> at the Lausanne School of Engineering at York University? Um, pretty much anything that touches students in the faculty. So uh, I run our student center. <laughs> anything that touches students, right? Like oh, us. <laughs> <laughs> Should we have done so, this separately? I kind of help out with some admissions decisions all the way through all of our enrollment advising, academic advising, student engagement, co-op, internships, curriculum, academic honesty. Um, I don't design curriculum, but I advise the faculty on how that impacts students and Great. Um, I read names at convocation, so uh, from beginning to end. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Reading names at convocation? Yeah. That's a skill. What an honor. It, it, yeah. To get asked back time and time again is the honor. But also <laughs> stressful. Oh, I, I would get yeah, yeah. worried yeah. about uh, mispronouncing names. and. Oh, every opportunity I can. Like, when it, whether it's an academic honesty hearing or I'm meeting a scholarship student. <laughs> like, how do I pronounce your name? Because I'm reading names at convocation, so anytime I can practice, I practice. Maybe, maybe depending on the academic honesty, I don't even know how to pronounce your <laughs> name. <laughs> well, we just had our first expulsion in three years. So, oh, for honesty, yeah. Um, I think at U of T, some folks from the linguistics department coach the folks who read it. Probably. Like, oh, yeah. Like, helping them understand I, pronunciation and yeah. stuff like that. It's hard. Oh. Um, and sorry, and the person who's been heckling Amy as she did her introduction. <laughs> uh, Mark Sullivan, I'm the director of student life at Seneca College. Uh, in my portfolio, ranges from uh, um, First Peoples at Seneca, so our Indigenous Student Services, uh, student life mentorship, uh, uh, student conduct is a, is a big component of it, first generation services, they're going to get mad at me if I don't remember them all. But anyway, lots of um, non-academic service stuff. Great. Yeah. And this is our very first student affairs couple 
mm-hmm. power couple interviews. So <laughs> thank you so much for making this happen. I think but it started the, as a joke over Twitter. And then yeah. <laughs> I was like, we should actually do this. So but the affair at student affairs? Like, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a great promo. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah. And this is also so great, and I've, I've said um, that one of the best parts of doing a podcast is getting to sit down with people who I've kind of known throughout yeah, the yeah. years through conferences and just actually get to know you a little bit better. So this is just, you know, personally great for me. Are you going to do a self-reflection one where you actually, like, have somebody interview you? Because that'd be kind of cool, right? Have you thought about that? I haven't. I did a little... It's inter- like holding up a mirror or something, eh? Yeah. I, I wanted to interview, like, my family to talk about... Uh, what they think about my work. Oh, that's like that. It's always so interesting when we talk yeah. about um, what our family thinks we do um, versus what we actually do. Absolutely. Um, but maybe after, if we do this for long enough, maybe a little reflection episode. Yeah. Season three, here we go. Season down. three, oh my gosh. <laughs> it also feels weird talking in seasons like I'm a fancy TV show. But, <laughs> uh, if people only knew. If people only knew. Um, so I've got a long list of things. You guys have so much expertise in so many different areas, so I don't know how we're going to jam it on, jam it all in. Um, but I, I think we'll <laughs> just jump right in. <laughs> so I think one of the interesting parts is both of you have worked at a few different institutions in a few different contexts at a few different institutions. But before we jump into that, do you want to just give like a brief trajectory of maybe where you did your undergrad until, with a few highlights to where you are now? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I did my undergrad at Wilfrid Laurier in Waterloo, Ontario. Um, I started off as in my first year as House Council President, and um, in which residence? In Wellison Hall. It was the okay. first year was co-ed, so I was the very first female president. Nice. At House Council in that hall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I became a Don and the first ever com- uh, community advisor, so I did that for two years as well. Nice. Um, also volunteered with student government. Um, Wait, weren't you guys Dons together? No. No. No, I didn't undergrad at Guelph. No. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we met through Okuo, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of sometimes hard to place where you meet people, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. no, totally. Yeah. Um, but you know that you met them somewhere along yeah. the road. Um, yeah, and then I kind of decided I wasn't quite done with res life towards the end of my degree, and so I started applying for jobs and knew that I wanted to leave kind of southern Ontario. It was a very fast pace of life, and everything was concerned about kind of money, and that's not what I wanted in my life. So kind of applied elsewhere. I didn't want money, so I got into student affairs. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So Where I thought I was going to go west, but I ended up working in Nova Scotia, never been east before. So I worked at St. FX for four years. Nice. In res life. And where were, you, where were you from before Laurier? I grew up in a tiny, tiny little town. You blink and you miss it, about a hundred kilometers northeast of Toronto. Okay. Called Pontypool. Pontypool. There's no dentist there. No, there isn't. You have to drive to Millbrook. So if there's any dentists listening, (laughs) you you went to the vet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... So when I went to his life to work at CNFX. I worked at CNFX for four years. Nice. Anna Ganesh, Nova Scotia. Amazing. Yeah. um, Yeah, it was um, an amazing... It was an experience. Let's put it that way. I don't know how amazing it was. I loved Nova Scotia. Um, It was a challenging institution to work at. Uh, nobody had ever done that job for four years before. Okay. Uh, I don't think anybody's done it for four years since. Um, because the conduct issues that you deal with 
are pretty crazy. Okay. Uh, the houses out there are like fraternities and sororities. They talk oh. about brotherhood and sisterhood, and the alumni are very powerful. And sometimes your worst enemy was the president of the institution who would drink in residence with students. Okay. Um, you know, so it's hard to enforce residence rules when the president sure. is breaking them with your students. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so there are many people across this country that um, we've shared stories about our time working at St. Events. Um, yeah, you know, I charged a student with harassment, but made lots of great friends and lots of memories and spent some time at the beach. <laughs> but then I um, was ready to move on <laughs> after right. four years okay. and got a job at Seneca College as manager of first year student experience. And is that where you all connected or? It was. Okay. Yeah, so well, little did I know I was going to meet my future husband Okay. at that job. Amazing. And so, and then were you at Seneca until this um, Yeah, I was there for almost seven years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so the job kind of transformed as, as I was there. People kept leaving, and then their jobs got divided, usually between Mark and I. Right. So our portfolios just continued to keep growing and growing. And Seneca was the first college I worked at. Um, I love colleges. Uh, both my sisters and my brother went to college. So I was the only university okay. um, of the four kids in my family, and um, yeah, it was interesting, and I worked on all four of the major campuses okay. for Seneca, so it was um, always, we always struggled as a department of student services, what's the best way to manage? Mm-hmm. Is it, do you manage the offices and everybody in those offices, even though your portfolio might be across all of the campuses. Um, so management structures changed frequently while we were there. Yeah, so probably flexibility yeah. in like working in that matrix environment with different people in different locations with different evolving portfolios. portfolios. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, so you learned a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I went my teeth in student affairs. I, I have two undergrads from Laurentian University in uh, Native Studies and uh, Music, uh, so, you know, unemployable. Um, and uh, I was the first Indigenous student to be elected to their, uh, to student government. So I, I came, I'm one of the few, very few people in student affairs that come through, not the res life, but through student government. Yeah. And so there's there's a, just a very, very few of us that do that. And uh, uh, I went to Lakehead, proud drop drop out of a Lakehead uh, graduate program up okay. there. And then... Uh, went to work for Amnesty International for a bit and did a bunch of stuff with them around the time when they were releasing the Stolen Sisters report. Okay. And then uh, went to Brock. Um, I was their uh, Aboriginal student advisor and then became their student conduct and events officer, I believe they called it. I uh, finished an MA there in social justice and went to Seneca um, as the manager of Aboriginal student services, but then... Uh, that got morphed into manager of student life, and then then went back to student conduct as the director, and then uh, went no, now into well. yeah my gig right now. Wow! Quick, see how fast I am, right? <laughs> right, right to the point. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, I got stuff going on. Well, I'm fast <laughs> isn't always good. Come on now. Well, and I guess my question is because you've had experiences at colleges and universities in different locations, and um, and now you're in a, a school at a large institution, yeah. so that has kind of a different context as Absolutely. well. 
Is there um, some observations that uh, you would have based on some of the changes that you've made that you've learned about either like working with students or working in a different context? Um, I think one thing we would probably both agree on is when we first both, Mark started at Seneca just a few months before I did, and when they were both brand new positions, so. Massive amount of seniority. <laughs> <laughs> Made sure you wrote that card yeah. all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But, you know, I think people, when we first got there, would say college students are different than university students. They're different, they're different, they're different. Like, you can't treat them the same. They don't, they don't respond the same way. They don't have the same level of maturity. Um, and I think when we first started, we would both be like, students are students are students. Right. There's no difference between a university student and a college student. They're all the same. Um, but in fact, they're not. <laughs> we were wrong. We were wrong. Absolutely wrong. Oh, okay. Um, they are really different. And working in the college environment, I think, is very challenging because you only have students for, like, two years. So, you know, student development theory kind of works, but not really because you have them for so little amount of time. Right. That they don't have time to mature. And their goals are very different. Um, and and they are different students. They're very vocational, like oriented. Um, their goal is to get out and start working, right? And this is gonna their training for a job, right? Uh, which is very different than a university education. Um, so the students are different. That's one observation I think that stands out for me. Uh, you trade one pilot ship for a different pilot ship when you move. Right, like, yeah. so, like, you know, that, that whole concept of the grass is greener right, is is totally what it is, right? So you, you may want to, um, you know, move institutions, but I think sometimes it's a, a, a sobering thought of thinking about how good it is, right? So, you know, you might have your frustrations with whatever finance or HR um, at one institution, but then you move to another institution or even department, and now it's whatever your marketing department or uh, whatever right like it's you trade one one uh, one aggravation for another aggravation and so yeah um, it's about what you're going to live with and, and who you're going to be yeah, yeah and what so you can don't see. leave don't leave an institution chasing something that might not actually exist right like hoping for a better environment or a different kind of administration it's right you, if you're going to leave and go to another institution or another job you need to do it because that's the job that you want and it's the job that's going to fit you and but that's you know, why I understand that like you know there's yeah there's going to be frustrations no matter what yeah yeah I met with some some young professionals and they're like oh I just I can't stand the politics I'm going to move I was like well politics everywhere. I don't know how to tell you <laughs> but kind of a version of politics and, and everywhere yeah. Well, didn't didn't Darren say that like the politics in post secondary, uh, mm-hmm. were that and, you know there's a great quote that the that post secondary politics are so cutthroat because there's so very little at stake. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right, like you I would know, say that's very true in the academic world. Yeah. Absolutely. There's yeah. a lot of folks who care deeply about an outcome and have a lot of time to invest in it. Yeah. yeah. In some cases, yeah. they're nine hours on campus. Yeah, and I think Darren mentioned this because I think his background's in, like, one of my degrees is in political science, and I feel like I use what I learned in my political science degree all the time Mm. as an administrator in in post-secondary. Interesting. And was, so what, was there a moment that you realized you could do this as a, as a career, or as a, or was it, 
because you dipped into like the amnesty and kind of the nonprofit advocacy world and then kind of returned. Uh, yeah, no, like into you know we went through the nineties uh, through the recession period and and um, you know and then as many young professionals, I think both of us. Or definitely me. Uh, I was hopping from contract to contract, right? So, looking for anything that was that was more permanent uh, uh, was a was a plus. And um, for me, a lot of it was following in the in the footsteps of giants, right? So people who had who were instrumental for me finding like identity in place uh, as an Indigenous student in post secondary. Um, they were really interesting people who kind of. Who, who propped me up and, and so much so like when I got to Seneca I hired one of them that advised me when I was at Laurentian oh okay so like one of these very wonderful women who who, uh, who were my advisors now works for me so it's an interesting thing you know and, you know, and like you say when we were BSing before that you know what? Our, what do our parents think that we do, right? Yeah. Like my my mom has given up, right? She's like, you do you do what now? And even explaining it to my daughter, like you're the vice principal, you're the 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 what now? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm employed and I'm supporting you and yeah. We're I think some of my extended family, they're just like, think I'm a professor. I'm like, yeah. No. Well, we get that from people we meet like in our community all the time, yeah. like. You tell and ask you where you work, and then they're like, "Oh, well, you're a teacher." It's like, "No, I'm an administrator." Like, how, how do you explain? You know, what do you do? I'm like, "Well, anything to do with students, right?" Like, it's not teaching. And then in it's, certain in certain worlds, like saying you're an administrator is like a like a bad term. People spit on the floor, right? Yeah. So, so saying that, you know, it's interesting. I I've had this experience even dealing with faculty and stuff like that. That people. Have, some somehow people say like you know Solomon's got some street cred, so it's just right. like no, he's he's not that kind of administrator, right? You know, like I'm just like oh, okay, you're like, I'm the good administrator, <laughs> like, uh, he's the dark one, right? <laughs> like nowadays, I find like I'll introduce myself as being from the Lausanne School of Engineering at York University, and people are like oh, you're an engineer. No, no, <laughs> I'm not a faculty member, <laughs> right? So yeah, that's always challenging. No iron ring. No iron ring for me. No, I'm not allowed in the ceremony. Okay. Yeah. It's a cult. Have you heard about this thing? The iron ring. Yeah, yeah. It's a I, thing, eh? I, it's I, a I, Canadian thing. It's actually. a Canadian yeah, yeah. thing. And so, yeah. like, at, when I used to work at McMaster, you'd hear about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 And there was, like, the night before, there was often pranks and, like, Shit, activities, yeah, shenanigans yeah. Yeah. associated with it. ERTW, right? My students don't kind of go around shoving that but it's because they're nerds yeah engineering you're, you're <laughs> it's the, got the nerdy the, engineering <laughs> programs like it's like space engineering until, somebody else, yeah, well the, yeah engineering at York started off as computer engineering space engineering and geomatics engineering it's one of three geomatics engineering programs in Canada and the only space engineering Ooh. program in Canada <laughs> exactly <laughs> no mechanical for us <laughs> those yeah. are blue collar engineers now that we're our own faculty Oh, there you are. Brand new. Yeah. Does Seneca have a rank? Because I was like, you have the engineering, you have the same effect, the X-ring ceremony. Do you only work in institutions with like elaborate <laughs> rings? Oh, that's awesome. That's a good question. No, Seneca doesn't have a ring. Okay. No, I didn't put in my seven-year stint at an institution without a ring. Unless it's like a super secret one that no one knows about. Yeah. Well, then it's so secret I don't know about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
Very cool. So, um, and then for you, Amy, was there a point when you were like, I can make a go of this. Like, I'm going to, I guess you explained, like, you really like the residence life thing. But for me, there was a tipping point where someone was like, oh, you know, you can do this as a, for a job. Like, I never knew that that was even a possibility. Yeah, well, I think I kind of, well, I, when I started at Laurier my first year, there weren't professional residence life coordinators. Oh, okay. So it was still kind of an old school, that was the very last year of non-professional people. They right. were like grad students at the institution that were running the residences, right? So Who were the deans of residence? Is that how it worked or not? No, they were called head residents. Oh, head residents. Okay. Yeah. And so then my second year, my first year of being a Don, um, was the first year that they were kind of professionalized. Like the Arlax. Yeah, the Arlax um, were brought in. Um, and so, um, you know, I kind of saw that happen. It's a transition. It's not like a medical thing, eh? <laughs> I just need to go get my Arlax changed. <laughs> <laughs> or a car part or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I saw these kind of professionals come in mm. and be introduced, and they were all young professionals. Um, some of whom had like worked at University of Waterloo and um, and in other places, um, and yeah, like when I was graduating, I was like, "Well, I'll see how this works out." I'm gonna like throw my hat in the ring because uh, my other degree was in international development studies. So I was like, "If I don't get a job in res life, then I'll try and get a job at an NGO and go work overseas and." Maybe eventually work at the United Nations, you know, those grand yeah. idealistic dreams that you have as an undergrad. <laughs> the, <laughs> that are quickly The NOSAD comes along and crushes <laughs> it. <laughs> You're like, man, I have to start paying that back in six months. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think it was like, you know, I wasn't quite done with residence, and that's what got me started in the field. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think I saw lots of people, you know, working long term, especially on the East Coast, where people don't leave good jobs, right? So manager kind of jobs and student affairs are really hard to come by. Right. And when I was ready to kind of move on from being a residence life coordinator, I love Nova Scotia and wanted to stay in Nova Scotia, but there was no jobs. Right. So that's kind of what drove me back to Ontario um, or to somewhere else. I hadn't met you yet. Oh, come on. Yeah. The universe had a plan for you to meet. So that was the thing, thing. Where's the birthday? <laughs> Cutting room floor. But like at Dalhousie, like there's people like at a residence life coordinators there who like were married and had kids and lived in like these wonderful apartments at Dal and um, you know you kind of saw working in it's a very small small student affairs community on the East Coast so you kind of saw that people could have a full life in this world. Mm. Yeah. It was Brad Clark for you, right? Was that? Mm-hmm. Bra- like Brock? Brad Clark? Yeah, Brock. Yeah. Brock. I can't say that. <laughs> Brock. Brad Clark. <laughs> you know, you know uh, so uh, Brad and I worked together at Brock. Okay. For a couple of years, right? And that was just when his, uh, his baby was coming on. I was dying to convince him to name his baby Tiki. Tiki Clark? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? That would be amazing. I know. It, it was a no-go. It was a no-go? <laughs> Mark also tries to convince everybody he knows that the, regardless of sex, their name should be Mark. So. Oh, okay. It's C or K. Yeah. Yeah, either. It works. I think so. Um, no? Yeah. And so, Mark, you've kind of, um, you've been in a few different roles, and now you're kind of in this, like, more senior administrative role, but you're, I guess, more, more focused on the conduct stuff. 
and kind of the indigenous affairs yeah. aspect of yeah. the student experience, would you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of interesting too, because those seem like, um, in most org charts, like rather separate areas. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because uh, if you were to look at an org chart and not know who I was, you would say, oh, they put the indigenous students with the bad students, right? Like, and, and interestingly enough, when I moved from student services where indigenous uh, stuff existed to student conduct, there was a conversation about we, we can't have, you know, the Aboriginal guy now doing conduct and doing indigenous because of this perception. Of course. And then yeah. two years later they said, you know, this doesn't make sense, right? Like we can do something more, more kind of grandiose and, and, and like put bigger things together, right? And, and, and it doesn't all need to exist in, in different pots or whatever. Um, but being an administrator, like an indigenous administrator, that's, a, that's new. Uh, there's only a few of us Ian Cole. Yeah, Ian. Maybe that's about it. And there's like some presidents. Are you of our president and the same presidents? Yeah, Ian's an interesting story, and because like he was dean of students when I worked at Saint Effects. Okay. And I had no idea that he was Aboriginal until like through Mark. Yeah, and his frustration is literally Ian, Ian Cole, Cole is the VP at uh, UBC Okanagan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And his first nation is literally just. Well, 40 minutes away from my first nation, right? So, let's say we're cousins or something. It's yeah. crazy. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's, a, it's, it's, it's different, but it's, uh, it works. It, it, um, I, I have found, and, and uh, sometimes my reputation precedes me of, like, being the, the, I don't know, the loudmouth or the jerk or something like that but I, I, I love student conduct because you, you, you get to see like the really crazy stuff and the like the stuff I think it's funny right like what I see on a Tuesday people are like oh my god I'm just like come to my office before 10 o'clock and then we'll see this in our security report right, right. so I think it's funny I'm a big fan of giving people second third fourth chances uh, you know as long as people aren't hurt and and uh and people can grow like you know there's obviously things that you know our world has changed with sexual violence and, and things like that but sure. uh, I, I think that there's opportunities for re- really great learning mm-hmm. um, you know, I was in trouble a lot a lot you know I, I, I think we, we did a Twitter exchange and I realized that in the six years that I lived in residence I had five eviction meetings whoa yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah. There's a few folks who are working in the student affairs field who have, have I wouldn't say that, that great an accomplishment. Oh, that's not the best one. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the one I'll share publicly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my brother was, well, he says it was a mutual decision. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We agreed to disagree, and I took my stuff and moved out. (laughs) They got the room, I got my stuff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They kept my damage deposit. (laughs) So you were like a high... High frequency visitor to these I was a conduct flyer. meetings. Yeah, you're a flyer to these kind of conduct meetings, and now you're the person who these folks are meeting with. Yeah, you know, and, it, and I find it I find it interesting because I, I think sometimes when we when we do student conduct and student affairs, we really focus on the good kids, right? Like we like. 
that's as far as I'm concerned, that's low hanging fruit. Right. Right. Like you know our you know and, and you hear that you know that ten eighty ten BS model, and you know just focus on that top ten and they'll all pull up. They're, don't focus on that top ten. It's like trickle down student affairs. Yeah. yeah and I, trickle I, down I, economics. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, I, and I, I hate that. I think that the big wins are the kids who, like, you know, if you're helping them get, like, you know, stable housing, you're keeping them clean, you're, you're doing doing things like that, you're, you're talking to them about, you know, making some life choices. I'm a big fan of saying, you, if you're going to screw up, do it in university and college. Because you don't get these second and third chances out in the real world. So do it now. Grow up a little bit and get out and say, and then look back and say, I remember when they, when they had every opportunity to kick me out and they said one more. Right? And I, I think that there's some great, great wins in that. And just being able to sit aside, you know, across from a table and, and um, be able to shake someone's hand. But also be able to shake someone's hand and say, dude, you need to take some time. Right? Yeah. So go take your semester off. I will see you come back because I want you to come back. And help you come back. Yeah, yeah. When the time is right. Yeah. But come back when you need to and then leave. I, I, I'm not a big, you know, read manuals and, and tell people that this is, the manual says you did X, and so that results in Y. Mm. I hate that stuff. Conduct so, yeah. can't be black and white. There has, conduct is all about living in the gray. Right? Like, yeah. It really is, and you have to be comfortable. You have to be comfortable there, and you know it's interesting like that your undergraduate career was so storied because I think sometimes those make the best leaders, right? Some of my best RAs when I was in RLC were students who were on residence probation in their first year because they just made some mistakes, and they're the ones who can relate the best to those students who are in trouble. Yeah and can kind of help bring those students along to a good place. But we've, we've right. talked about this too, yeah. right? Like the, that sometimes that the RA or the, there was a time very early in my career that, that somehow residents shifted, right? Like I remember at Laurentian, we used to pick the biggest drums to be the RAs because they were like, dude, I know what you're going through. You just need to drink water. We'll get through this, right? Like it was this like moment. And then all of a sudden it was the, the kids who like, like, uh, the goody tissues. The goody or the rats or something like that took over and it was just like, you know, hey, we're all going to have, you know, you know, go for the movies and everyone else is going out the back door to the pub. Right. And then when they were the first ones back saying, well, it's two o'clock and it's not, not being able to have like the ability to walk in and have a conversation saying, hey guys, 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 can you, can you turn it down a little bit? Like people are trying to sleep here. Yeah. Not the, here, I'm, and, and here's your ticket that refined. you need to the manual says yeah. I'm supposed to say the following to you yeah because <laughs> it's yeah but isn't but isn't that a part of like even the work that we do with students right like that's that's it's not you know and we can we can tell this about the kid who gets the scholarship or the kid who gets in trouble or the kid our our, our work in student affairs isn't about that top 10% because they're taken care of right they got scholarships they got opportunities yeah. and for have the capital to kind of navigate 100% right like our, our gravy is that bottom 10% right if we keep that 10% in for retention purposes we have made our salaries a hundredfold right like that's that's our gravy is that 10% in the bottom if we keep them up we're good I think that that's what that exists and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I see all these, you know, metrics about, like, you know, average and all and first gen and da-da-da-da, always in that 
bottom 10%, right. and they have the precarious funding with grants and, and stuff like that, right? Of course, that's how much we care about you, that every year you have to apply for the money and that we might give it to you. Yeah. 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 Hmm. That would be interesting to kind of draw those lines uh, in some sort of formal document around how yeah. there be a mismatch in terms of where we're getting or seeing resources and some of the audiences that could really benefit from it, the precariousness of it. Yeah. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so I also one of the things that had been highlighted was also this idea of like masculinity and masculinities in higher ed and in student affairs and I was wondering what you're where are you coming at that from like what is your entry point to that conversation I, and I don't know what it is and I because it's been missing for so long you know and we you know it was interesting when we were talking about kind of couples interview and then I was like could we be the only straight couple in student affairs? <laughs> and not about masculinity, but this concept of like, there are very few straight men uh, doing 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 this work, and 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 I sometimes uh, I sometimes I worry about straight male students and about how they find role modeling and and and, and, and I I'm very cognizant of that specifically with our indigenous students um, that in fact. Um, there's very specific uh, gender roles within within those communities and about okay. how they find the, those type of things. But we've had these conversations a bunch, right? Yeah. Um, but you work in like an all male dominated like faculty, right? I like, do. yeah. And like for for me, this in my current role, I think was probably the first time that I've ever in my professional career experienced sexism mm. um, because. Our field is so dominated by women, um, and you know I worry about kind of opposite to my student population worry, which is trying to get more women into engineering and computer science. Um, in terms of our profession, I'm very concerned about how few men there really are, and where that gender balance is, um, and kind of masculinity femininity balance too, right? Right. Um, because. I see the dynamics in offices that I've managed, sure. and when it's all women, uh, it can be very challenging as a manager um, to balance people's needs and sensitivities and those sure. kinds of things, and I think that's heightened when there isn't a balance, um, that masculine balance to the feminine um, but experience, there's also, right? Yeah, and yeah. The, the other problem is, is that the masculine can't be the person in the quarter office, right? Like it no, can't absolutely be. Not. It yeah. can't be just like, and I, that's what I hate too. Is that sometimes I I end up being the, the man, and I'm the person in charge, right? Like it feels so awkward to be in that position oh, of being wow. like, like you know, straight man, and I am the only man, and I'm the leader, right? Like it it. it and so you have to understand about checking privilege and checking understanding uh, of, of those things, right? Sure. Like, you know, uh, you know, I, I sometimes joke, like, I, I love being a member of the old boys club. But I, I like that concept. But you're all alone these days. Exactly. <laughs> no one's showing up for meetings anymore. The membership's low. They've all retired. <laughs> no one drinks beer anymore. <laughs> and, like, for me, too, it's weird because... Like, a lot of the things that Mark and I do in our personal time are often associated with very masculine things, right? So, you know, I don't go to the spa. We throw axes. 
Right? So I we throw sharp well. objects at targets and or go hunting or go fishing and that's very um, unusual. So mm. even like that balance and kind of what you can share in your, about your life outside of work too. And how that might challenge folks, their presumptions they might have. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so how is that playing out in a school of engineering which has a, a, a reputation or most school engineer, engineering schools have a reputation of being dominated and pretty um, fixed in that kind of notion. Yeah, well, I mean, it's endemic to the field and to the profession, and it's a problem that they've, that the profession has um, kind of identified. There's not enough women, there's a huge gender imbalance um, in engineering and any science, for the most part. I mean, there's some variations depending on the field of engineering. Um, so like civil engineering tends to have more women than mechanical engineering. Chemical engineering has the most women of all, or environmental engineering have the most women of all engineering programs. Um, but yeah, it's, it's challenging. I think I'm lucky in some ways that I've been able to earn the respect of a lot of our faculty members, but certainly I feel regularly um, that I'm not as well respected because I'm a woman. Um, it's sometimes just my title and I have to work really hard um, with faculty members and even with some students to kind of get them beyond the kind of macho culture uh, mm-hmm. of some engineering being the assistant to the name there's no, no to that <laughs> <laughs> this is my life I can't get past this this is the standard joke Every, <laughs> everywhere we go there's you're no welcome. to that. You're welcome. Yeah. Work on some new material. Yeah. We're going after. Dude, you got spots on your socks, eh? Oh, yeah. Polka dot socks. Yeah? You had a sock game going on, It's a good sock game. Mm-hmm. Actually, for uh, my birthday, I got, I haven't received my first one yet, but someone got me a subscription to a like, once a month club? sock club. <laughs> so. Really? Yeah. Right? yeah. Subscription services for everything these days. Man, oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. Um, I <laughs> but I also wanted to say, like, so, working, you were, went from working um, as a student in res life and then seen effects and then working at Seneca in kind of these kind of evolving roles and now to a school in a larger context and a yeah. professional school yeah. that has a lot of stress around accreditation and there's a lot of requirements and yeah. um, almost like a, a pressure cooker in some cases. Yeah. But then you've also got the uh, a very distinct culture that comes with Absolutely. the engineers who bears very successful products of that system so what has it been like going from uh, or going into this environment at such a large school but in a specific faculty and working with well my experience is probably very different than a lot of other people who've gone into an academic unit because my school was brand new so I got hired well three years ago next month into a brand new position. Our faculty didn't officially exist as a faculty yet. Okay. We were splitting off from the Faculty of Science. Um, but we had existing programs and we were building new programs. So you're trying to, and I only had two months to get staff. staff. I didn't have staff before we had students. And like I had no time to kind of think about what our culture was going to be like. Whoa. And you just kind of hit the ground running. So a lot of the past three years has been... But just kind of catch up to stay up. Like, I have, we haven't even been able to kind of get ahead of the curve in terms of every year we've added new program. Like, our first, my first year there, we added software engineering, and then the next year was two more engineering programs, and 
then we started a co-op and um, all these kinds of things. So, but an opening the building too. Right? Like we opened a brand new building, new building um, that we that. moved into last oh, fall. So, it's been a really whirlwind kind of three years. So it, it's, in terms of the kind of engineering culture, it's really a mixed bag. Okay. Um, from these, you know, and they're not the the long term engineering programs at York aren't the kind of traditional engineering programs. It's not the civil engineering, it's not the mechanical engineering. So I didn't go in to a student culture that, you know, you would hear about from Queens or Western or, you know, um, something like, you know, a very well-established engineering school. Um, But there's still kind of undertones of masculinity. And we, what's interesting is that I have seen since, in particular, since we've added mechanical engineering, a real challenge in our student culture around kind of arrogance and that comes with some of the hyper macho culture sure um that i'm right and i'm entitled and um and we didn't see that in our first year with kind of computer our more nerdier engineering (laughs) programs (laughs) so um, you know but the nice thing is we haven't inherited pranks and you know all the hate you know all the hate they purple each other but that's pretty harmless right for the most part uh they're pretty good so Hmm. When well, when when in your life did you ever think that like purple would be a verb? Yeah. Purpling. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I got purple you know, twice yesterday. I think I, you know I dealt with more hazing essay effects than I sure. ever than I have in the three years I've worked at. I haven't had to deal with any of that kind of culture. That culture I really experienced in res life working at state effects. Where mm-hmm. my first year there, we essentially sanctioned hazing, which was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Do you get a lot of that at U of T? Like, like kind of like hazing and stuff like that? Because that's an old school, right? Like with old traditions? Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of traditions and yeah. there are a lot of like formal traditions that happen in the various colleges and faculties and they're, they're very well maybe some hazing or hazing adjacent stuff that I just yeah. don't know about or that yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's very below yeah. the surface. Um, and every once in a while a story will, will pop up or will yeah. especially um, I think most often I don't can't remember if it was U of T but there was one of the news around a sports team um, yeah. so sometimes in those older right. kind of more traditional cultures but um, yeah there's a lot of really fun like old traditions that involve um, especially amongst the colleges that are um, I wouldn't say hazing but kind of going to another college and saying insults towards them and doing, like a secret yeah rivalries and there's mm-hmm. like some secret societies and you sign a book and stuff like that so but they also like I think they've Evolved into kind of like a lovely tradition that right. um, I'm sure that's how they describe it. <laughs> well, and I don't know. There's We're lovely going to toilet paper there. <laughs> well, I think there's lovingly one. toilet paper. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And purple. I lovingly have purple. Actually, purpling. <laughs> yeah. Purpling season is upon us. <laughs> I don't think I actually answered your question, <laughs> which was about going into uh, working in an academic unit. It's yeah. very different than working in central service yeah. division role. Um, and it's really opened my eyes. So really interesting. As a manager at Seneca, I felt like I, you know, maybe it's because I had to travel from campus to campus so often, but I really didn't feel like I had a lot of student interaction. Sure. I didn't really get to, other than the students who worked in our office, I didn't really get to meet and, like, get to know a lot of students. Um, but my role, like, even though it's assistant dean, no to the, um, uh, <laughs> I work with and meet with so many of our students. I feel like I talk to students every day, Um, you know, whether it's good things because they're a student leader or they're winning a scholarship, like I have lunch with some scholarship winners today, 
or you know, I have academic honesty exploratory readings with them, and you know, I get the whole range, um, which is nice. But I really get to interact with students. Right. Working, in, it's really front facing. That's where they live their lives every day. It's real for them, and it's real for me in terms of I can really see the impact of the work that we do on their everyday lives. And it sounds like from your work that you're also able to kind of look at the whole experience like if you're having these ties to discussions around curriculum yeah, or right. program yeah. or the whole nine Absolutely. yards, and you can kind of be that person who says... Credit to Graven. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Absolutely. It's, it's actually really lovely. I really love working in an academic unit. Very cool. Yeah. Did you say lovely? I did say lovely. Oh. <laughs> you planted it in my um, I feel like I just want to talk to you forever and ever, um, but I also feel like uh, the bouncer's going to kick us out. Yeah, we're going to get kicked out of the library meeting room that we're currently in, <laughs> located in the east end of, of Toronto. What, what? Um, <laughs> we're blocks from where Mark once lived. Yeah. Um, but I, I, maybe this is my last like, formal question before I get into some of the lightning round questions, but one of the things that I think is kind of similar between both of your stories is the, this idea of kind of um, earning credibility so um, you're speaking around okay so the Solomon guy is kind of this person I can trust and it's not necessarily about the title but kind of the the trust that you can get certain things done and people can rely upon you for certain things and kind of going into a new faculty and earning that credibility so is there a strategy to that is there like how would you how do you if someone was asking you for advice and how do I go about doing that in my own kind of sphere in my own institution how, what, what have you found to be successful ways of doing that um, for me, I think, because so much of my career has been about starting something new. Mm. My role at Seneca was brand new. My role at York has been brand new. Uh, when I worked at St. Effects, I was put in charge of building a first-year house. You know, so there's a whole bunch of new things that I've built my career on. I think the real key is relationship building. And you have to work at it, and you have to take the time to go have coffee with people, to go meet with them in their offices, or mingle with them in the cafe when you see them in the cafeteria or in the hallway, um, you stop and chat with them, uh, no matter if it's going to make you a couple minutes late for a meeting, those relationships are so critical to success. Um, and I think that's how you build trust. Um, and by just kind of persist, right? So if you feel like, you know, things people aren't trusting you, trust that the work that you're doing is good and that people are going to come around and see it, right? So know that the time will come when that's going to come to you. Um, you know, when I first started at Lausanne, there's pieces kept getting taken away from my portfolio because they weren't maybe quite going the way that the dean envisioned or somebody else had this, like, um, very colorful vision of what it could be and, and they were sure. able to... Um, use their influence to kind of get that into their portfolio. There's lots of politics that are going sure. on as yeah. you're kind of all feeling each other out. But I trusted that the work that I was doing was good, that I was laying good foundation, um, and that over time those things will have come back to me. So mm-hmm. things come full circle because they're in the right place now. And right. people start to realize, actually, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, this isn't a good fit for me. And, um, and actually maybe... I don't know how to work with students, so maybe you should do it. Right. Oh, imagine that. Somebody who's built their career working with students knows how to work with students. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those relationships are really critical in finding those allies that can help champion you behind closed doors when conversations that count are happening. Right. 
It sounds like it's a long game too, right? It's not it about yeah. this one thing that I can do that'll earn me all this credibility. Yeah. It's no. planting the seeds now and cultivating right. them over a period and of time. And just do good work. Yeah. Like it really comes down to do good work and you know be willing to volunteer time. You have to put in extra time maybe to start. Yeah. Yes, it's hard work, but you have to work at it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, I like that relationship, but I'm a big fan of saying hi to everybody. Like, yeah. you walk yeah. in and you, like, I, there's so often so many people don't get, nobody asks them, like, how your day is going, right? So the people that are uh, cleaning our floors and the people that are doing that, I, I think it's about, you know, why not? Like, I, 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 I always have, like, people are, like, shit on people that work at minerals or work uh work uh, custodial or anything like that. I'm, I'm a big fan of just saying hi and how's it going or how was your weekend or you know it doesn't need to be any more than a couple of interactions and remembering their name and saying hi to them at the things and then those are the, the those are people that will eventually start trusting you and, and building building uh building relationships I, I got elected to the the board of governors at Seneca is the admin person, the admin, the admin role, and like I, I put on my friggin' thing. Like I, I didn't even want to do this thing, like, <laughs> but nobody else ran, so I, I felt bad, so I put my name in, and then like a I, bunch I, of other people put their name in last. Yeah, year. and then other people started campaigning for me. I'm like, dude, this isn't what this, I like. They're way more qualified than I ever will be, and like. So I actually put in my speech, like, my mom thinks I'm the handsomest boy in Seneca, and, like, I still won. Like, it was just, I'm like, okay, like, and, and I, like, super honored to, to represent those people, but knowing that it's about, uh, it's about that relationship, and I'm, uh, I'm a risk taker. I love, I love, I love going in there and, uh, and, and totally gambling on something. I, I think that that, that is, like, I, I'm a big fan of big risk, big reward, um, you know, and doing that once or twice a year, right? Like literally just like, hope this works out. Here we go. Right. Like it, and, 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 you know, I, I, I revamped our leadership program at Seneca and we went from 35 students to 1500. Right. Oh. And just, and so, uh, making changes and, and, and ways of rethinking and, and, and spending time to, to take risks, obviously not risk just for the sake of taking risk or change for the sake of change. But, but uh, logical things that things like they work and, and talking to people, right? So sitting down and having a beer with somebody, you know, at caucus, I, I, I find I, I spend so much more time sitting at the bar. Well, that probably could be a period right there, but sitting, <laughs> sitting at the bar and BSing with people and saying, tell me about X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, Amy and I were lucky enough to go to NASPA and we were, we were there with David and a whole bunch of Canadians. Are you going this year? No. Oh, I'm going for the first time. Oh, it's good. Yeah. So, but we were in New Orleans and there's like 7,000 people. And I remember, yeah. I remember so David cool. came up to us and we were, you know, we were having a, having a, a pop and, and, and uh, he said, you know, sometimes uh, there's a critique of Cox being very clicky. And I told him, I said this story. So we met this wonderful woman, Amy and I did. Uh, I think she was doing the, the genderless bathrooms, like the trans-inclusive yeah, stuff. The, yeah, like the LGBTQ community for the conference. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I walked over and I talked to this guy who did uh, Veterans Affairs for mm-hmm. students, right? So uh, obviously a phenomenon that we don't have here in Canada or it's very, we don't talk about it a lot. And, uh, and, and I said, I, I met these wonderful people, um, but in a conference of 7,000 people, I will never see them again. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. And at least at caucus and other places, if I see somebody, and although it might be clicky and sitting with the, 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 the friends or whatever, I'd call that person over and I'd buy them a beer and say, tell me more about what you're doing because I think it's cool. And even though I don't do Veterans Affairs, I can see how that relates to first gen, to, to this group, to that group, to this whatever. And let's talk and share and BS. And then, you know, I don't even need your card because we're going to hook up on Twitter and we're going to BS a little bit and do that. Yeah. I love that about making those connections and that. The caucus has fueled that, but all these other things have done that. So for me, it's about like, and it's not about getting your name out there. It's about meeting some people that you can trust, that you value, yeah. you find value, and, and, and even introducing someone. And I think we, we don't say, you know, you're doing good work to people a lot, right? Like we, you know, we talk about gratitude a lot, but I don't think we actually even say to people, dude, dude I saw you uh, present. Can, can you tell me just a little bit more? Like, oh, why'd you do that? Yeah. Right? And then sit down and have those conversations where it's not a PowerPoint, it's not this and this and this. And, you know, that's how, that's how we, I stole the idea from with Drew Dudley and we, we had some stuff with the leadership program and, mm-hmm. and it grew. And, and there's so many of those, like, wonderful opportunities where if you just sit down and say to people, dude, you're doing good stuff, right? Like, yeah, how can we help each other? Yeah, the tell yeah. me more. And I think it's really, I think, for both of us, the success in the relationships is about being genuine. And yeah. kind of, you're going to totally want to barf, Mark, but being your authentic self, right? So, that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a good thing. This podcast, you can't see the, what Mark's doing right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I think that's the really critical yeah, to think, success. Um, yeah. And I've not thought about this in this way before, but I, I think caucus could be perceived as cliquey or kind of, yeah, it's hard to get on the inside. And I can see that because it is such a cozy community. Yeah. So if you're new or you're trying to break in. Yeah. But I also don't know anyone who has turned down an invitation for one of those conversations. Yeah. I think it's also a very generous yeah. community where I was like, can I, Absolutely. can I podcast with, like, can I yeah, yeah. for my podcast or can you, can we talk about it? So I think everyone will say yes. Yeah. So I think it's just about sometimes, uh, putting up the ask 100% I, you know and, I, and I've and i asked people constantly you know like hey come f- come for a beer with us and, and you know if they're they're introverted or they're not that's you know drinking something then okay then tomorrow we're going to have a coffee and we're going to talk about this right so I, I'm a I'm a big fan of and there's so like don't miss opportunities to say hi to somebody right yeah. and, and that opportunity of just saying hi to somebody I think sometimes, like when somebody says hi to me and recognizes me, I feel so much. I feel so much better. So why not say that to somebody else when you're walking by, and you know it's January fifteenth, and you're still saying Happy New Year to somebody that you haven't seen, yeah. and and see their face light up, going, Oh shit, you remembered, right? Like in that, yeah. I think those are things that. It's not about necessarily making people feel good, but it's about remember, dude, I care about you, right? Like I care about, you know, I heard your mom's sick. Right, yeah. so so is there is everything is everything going good? Like, what's what's going on? Because right. we have those conversations, but you know, and because not just it's not just about student affairs. Like, you know, everything going good. You got any kids? How's your kids? What what do you get for Christmas? And yeah. or, or, or do you celebrate Christmas? Or those type of things. Those are the relationships that that we need to not miss because we encourage them for our students. Like, we're great, you know, we're great practitioners of this. Uh, and teaching people how to do it, we don't do it very well, yeah. right? And that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
I have like a hundred more things I wanted to talk about, but I also know that um, you can do a part two in like season four. Yeah, we'll have to do it. We'll have to return because I wanted. To, I want to. It talk would more. be the divorce episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This is my longest wife so far. That's what he wishes. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about because Amy, I know you're you're on the caucus board currently doing yeah. this policy stuff. So I wanted to delve into that a little bit more. And Dr. Mark, I wanted to talk more about kind of the. Um, because I think, like, especially the um, with caucus and a lot of our institutions looking to um, indigenize, I'm using air quotes, but in terms of, like, providing more opportunities for students to yeah. work with that, and given some of your experiences, the the first... Um, being, <laughs> being a first people? Well, no. Is that what you're saying? Why is it racist? Why is it because I have a status card? I see you embarrassing. Why are you going red? I'm red. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was just mirroring the language. Um, great, so maybe we'll talk about that in the next one. Um, um, but I've got some, and I also wanted to talk more about axe throwing and your little free library, and there's so many things, so yeah, we'll have to do the part two. Um, but maybe I'll just get to these, some of these lightning round questions. You know, I was worried about the lightning round, because so we, we did our homework, right? So we oh. listened, right? So you prepared? But no, well, semi-prepared, but also I started kind of thinking in my head, dude, if he do, does like the, the newlywed game, Oh, right? I totally should have. And, and all of a sudden <laughs> I'm just like, you you're going to be like, oh, Amy said she likes this. And I'm going to be like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't care. I'm bad. I've got a list. Okay. And uh, let's see if, let's see what we do. Uh, some of them are new. Um, nicknames. Do you have any nicknames? No. No. John calls you the Gockle Debacle. Oh, the Gockler. The Gockler? Sometimes. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> the Gockle Debacle. The Gockle Debacle is a phrase, not a nickname. <laughs> 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 that identifies a specific incident in time. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Right, I just went by my last name for a long time. Solomon for a long time. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, what is your favorite place in the world? That's hard. For me, it's it's Eton. It's a mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's our it's our hunt camp for my family. Uh, yeah, you get it by uh, driving up to Sault Ste. Marie, and you gotta spend the night because you drove to Sault Ste. Marie, and then uh, you drive three. You drive about an hour and a half towards Wawa, and then five hours on a logging road. Um, which There's is only great. five hours because you stop and have beers along the way. Okay. If you don't stop on the way out, it's much faster. <laughs> <laughs> it's only two hours. On the way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and everything's legal up in Eton. Um, and then uh, it's completely off the grid. There's no. Uh, there, it's solar, propane, and um, you know we're driving four wheelers around. You know you can sit there and you can watch the sunset and rise. Uh, over all these finger lakes, you see moose and the stars are and, unbelievable. Yeah, it's just a, these moments of like you know, and, and we're not very urban people, so it's hard to explain to these urban people. They're like, well, "How's the cell service?" No, it doesn't exist. There's no cell it's a radio yeah. for phone. Yeah, it's it's a piece of uh, it's a piece of untouched. For me, it's also a place where I get to be indigenous. Right, it's where we're practicing our treaty rights and things where you know eventually you know my uh, my daughter will be coming up and the the next generation will be they'll be the ones out hunting and doing those things and fishing and things mm-hmm. yeah if i didn't say there i would say our camp which in southern ontario people call cottages yeah but um up in northern ontario we call it camp and that was actually mark's grandparents we bought it off of them after his grandfather passed away and 
Um, that's one of my favorite places in the world. Oh, amazing. We have a wood-fired hot tub, dude. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we got mad skills, man. Yeah. And it for a while, up until probably two years ago, we had no cell phone reception there either. Oh. So it's, it's pretty awesome. There's something really amazing about not having cell phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, even if you wanted to, but you couldn't. You know, even but it's super special. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Protect those places. Um, what is something that folks would be surprised to learn about you? Um, I do embroidery. Oh. Not many people know that. Well, you also have that prison stint, too. No. <laughs> <laughs> lies. All lies. No prison stint for me. No? No. Embroidery, that's awesome. It's a great talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Surprised to learn about you? I think anybody would be surprised to know that you go hunting. No, <laughs> no, no. Met you. Yeah, yeah. Skinny man trapped in five minutes. Probably body. that you have a degree in music. I do have a degree in music. It's actually surprising to most yeah, people. Cool. Yeah, jazz bass. Jazz bass. Yeah, yeah. And I just finished a second master's degree in That's education. Nice. Where did you do that? At uh, York. Because okay. it cost me $2 a course. <laughs> it cost me more to park than to pay for these courses because Amy... The wonderful the spousal of, benefits oh, wow. <laughs> of working at yeah, the park, park and then to take the class. Yeah, so it's 15 bones to uh, to take the class, and it's $20 to park on campus a night. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's why it's so expensive to park there. They're not charging enough for the courses. As, as a community of professionals working in student affairs, what do we need, what do we need more of and less of? You know, I think that we often talk about kind of open minds, and um, but I think we need to open our minds more. I think that we often talk and try and teach students about kind of inclusivity and kind of embracing diversity and, um, and do a good job kind of teaching about that. Um, sometimes, and maybe this is kind of the cliqueiness of, uh, of our profession, I think sometimes we just get so entrenched in our comfort zones that um, sometimes we aren't the most inclusive or sure. we don't open our minds to practicing our profession in different ways and um, like you know I think there's a lot you know to be said for practicing student affairs out of an academic unit Yeah. but a lot of people would be very close to no there's no way that that can happen there right. we know better from a central from a central university we can serve students better well, I would, after my experience the past three years, I'd argue, actually, I think I can serve students better. Interesting. William Pelche said this uh, wonderful thing that he walked up on top of a mountain once, and he got up to the top of this mountain, and he sat there, and he was looking at this beautiful landscape, and he looked down, and he saw a board uh, that was kind of rotting, and it had been there for a long time, and all the grass was yellowing around it. And he lifted it up, and, and he noticed all this life underneath it. And he noticed that he had uh, irrevocably changed the course of what was happening underneath that board by lifting it. Mm. And so being really mindful of what we are doing and our impact on our communities uh, is really important. You know, the, the I think sometimes we, we are not, so indigenization and all of those things, we're 
we're moving too fast to keep up with the Joneses. We're not actually taking the slow, methodical time to actually say, do we need to do this? Do, do, do we need to have Indigenous knowledge inside classrooms? Or can that be found in the community? What are we taking away from the community? What's a reciprocity here? Right. Um, and understanding, understanding our impact um, as opposed to, and I include me on that too, right? Because I, I want to have the elders, I want to have all those things, and all those wonderful experiences that I had. That so, so I had a critique about po- post secondary saying all of you, you know, non Indigenous people, but us as in, as post secondary things just to be much more mindful. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, last one before. We get. It's not very lightning. Eh? We would I know. This. Oh, you know, this is like very <laughs> Aboriginal. One time the moon went this way and the sun. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's end on a, on, a, on a whimsical one. What do you, I don't know about sports references, but one thing I do know is that when batters go up or people are about to, they have a walk up song or is this just pitchers? I actually don't know what I'm talking about. But there's a walk up <gasps> song. We just talked about this. Do you have a walk-up song, or if you had to pick one, what would it be? I don't. I'm so terrible at this question. Or maybe, like, let's change this to a student affairs context. If you're going into, like, a conduct meeting or a, a committee meeting or something, what music would you want to play as you enter the room? It'd be the T.I. Rihanna song. We were just listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. I, I can't follow that. Yeah. Mine was Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. Nice. Like, you can't, I can't say no. Yeah. Say <laughs> no to that song. Um, and then the last question But can is, you say no to the video, though? You know what? I don't think I've actually ever seen it. I've only uh, ever seen the imitations of it. Yeah, right. So yeah, in right. my yeah, head, I know it. what it looked like, but it's just based on people's... Yeah. I guess like a Barbie doll version of it or something. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so the last question, as you, as you know, is around... This is a relay, and you guys are the start of a new relay. So mm-hmm. who, should, who, what kind of folks should I be speaking with next? Who might you refer me to? I think, well, we both talked about Ian Cole. Okay. And I think, you know, out yeah. on the West Coast, he'd be a great person to talk to. Because he's also worked on the East Coast, oh, too, okay. and he's from Ontario. And, a senior um, leader. He's a very senior leader. And he's, but, he's and, at and he's Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that I'm so fascinated around um, the configurations of campuses and... Yeah. Um, satellite I'm using air quotes satellite yeah. campuses or schools within campuses and how mm-hmm. we kind of yeah. I think um, he's got a lot of really interesting work. insights that he yeah. can share and, oh, awesome. um, I'd be interested to hear his his take on like as an indigenous administrator with the John Furlong yeah. thing and like poor UBC I hate to say like you know we used to say poor York but now it's poor UBC <laughs> it's true. Out the news, right? yeah. So, yeah. and it, it's interesting being yeah. an administrator at a school that just can't get good media right uh, and indigenous yeah. people are like flocking left right center yeah. Against uh, professor right? just resigned, I think. Well, he, he resigned from the sexual assault committee okay. because of uh, John Furlong. Uh, he was David the only Justice indigenous Smith, person David on Justice, the committee. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. You know, and, and this is going to be the savvy part, but I wish we could go back in time and talk to Jim Delaney. You know, yeah. like that. If we talk about like heroes and stuff like that, of of like uh, untold saints, like the guy who would call you up in a bar. Right, I would sit there like my very first caucus conference is having Jim uh, call me to the bar to sit and BS with him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think about people maybe after like life after uh, after student affairs, 
Right. Like right. Uh, Marty William, because he's got a face for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, a body to suit it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, make sure he wears pants, because that's <laughs> it's something you just don't want to see. Yeah. I see him every year at Hillside. Yeah, because yeah. he's volunteer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's on the board. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he does, yeah. Or like, like Drew or Hamza Khan or something like that. Like, yeah, people I also who've... think about like Peggy Patterson. Who oh, yeah. Yeah. Was, has always been on the academic side of the house and I think has inspired a lot of yeah. us in this profession and Rob kind of, Shea or Rob Shea yeah. Yeah. is he the president of um, the international yeah, yeah I can't remember the acronym CC something <laughs> I don't know but can, he doesn't really do the student affairs work anymore either right like, and he's also in an academic unit yeah. kind of what that's like moving through that moving to that kind of point in your career as well. Oh, so there's lots of people that we yeah. could relay, relay you on to. These are great. These are phenomenal. Um, is there any any final, anything that we wish we had the chance to talk about that we didn't before we wrap up? Well, I was, I'm surprised at what we didn't talk about. Yeah. Which is like, what is it like to be a couple of student figures? I know, I, I thought can't I believe you didn't do touch like that. a full like, Oprah conversation around. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to... Save that for our next interview for our part two. Maybe over drinks. Over drinks. Well, yeah, like let's figure out how we can do this in a bar. Because, like, this, like, meeting in the room, library. Gonna, <laughs> this little <laughs> <shady> <laughs> library. We're going to carve our names into this table yeah. and we're going to go have a beer. But, dude, like, just, and on the note that we were talking about, like, you should be thanked for doing something, mm-hmm. doing this, right? Like, oh. it's. It's super brave to kind of put yourself out there to interview and ask people and then make the time to do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, we were talking about, like, technology and stuff like that. So you should be thanked about contributing to, you know, student the affairs in the yeah. institution, in the discourse, and moving that along to a point where we are all butting at the bit to be the next person to have it, you know, baton. Yeah. So you should you should be feel yeah. very proud and we feel very honored being here. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Like I said, it's just a really good chance. Like, this has been such a delight. I, it's, what is the, what were the words that will make Mark, Mark barf? Like, it's filling my heart with joy to have had this opportunity. Oh, yeah. And okay, maybe I'll stop there. sentimental. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll end it there. All right, thank you so much. Well, there you have it. That was so much fun and there was so much more we could have spoken about i cannot wait for round two with amy and mark we went out for dinner after the interview and trust me these two have some amazing stories i can't thank them enough for their time please connect with them twitter is probably your best bet mark's twitter handle is at mark j solomon m-a-r-k-j-s-o-l-o-m-o-n and amy is at at amy gockel a-m-y-g-a-u-k-e-l if you have any ideas or feedback about the podcast, please feel free to get in touch with me. My Twitter handle is at Adam Kewen, and don't forget to use the hashtag RelaySA to follow along with the discussion. I hope that you're getting your ideas ready for the Relay Essay Podcast Challenge, where I'm asking you to think about what kind of podcast you would want to make about student affairs in Canada. Who would you interview? What topics would you be covered? Record your idea in a one-minute voice note and send it my way. Once I get them, I will put them all together in a very special episode of Relay SA that will feature all of you and your ideas. Try to get them into me by the end of March. Make sure to include your name. The Relay SA theme music is written and performed by Adrian Ross. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now.